Hey, welcome back to Blacklight Podcast, where I hope conversation informs action. Uh, this is Oscar Wilburn. Uh, this episode, we talk about manhood and all the different kind of elements and nuances that come with manhood. Um, we also talk about uh, why men don't come to church, which is a, a big topic that I'm concerned about. Um, but also, I think that it is it's a good episode because I got my boys, David Parisher and Michael Malarkey on here. Um, and they come from a completely different background than me. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm not by myself this time, so <laughs> it's a good day. <laughs> anyway, this episode we're talking about manhood, more specifically manhood in church. Uh, I got two special gentlemen here uh, that I wanted to bring in on the conversation because they're in town and it's summertime, um, but also they're men. Uh, who are in the Lord, and those are really the only two requirements that you have to be on the podcast right now. Um, we'll work on the females getting in later. Anyway, um, <laughs> gentlemen, <laughs> introduce yourselves, uh, your name, social security number, and uh, date of birth. <laughs> I'm David Parisher. I'm from Maxfield, North Carolina. Where is that? Uh, the eastern part of the state. It's a town of about 450 people, so you'll never see it. You'll never go there. It's a great place. Yes. <laughs> and you? And my name is Micah, and I'm from Cashers, North Carolina, which is from the mountains of North Carolina. <laughs> no sense trying to help you figure out where that is, because again, you'll never make it there. It's a tiny town. Oh, um, weak. All right, so basically, we've entered in this to, uh, into this realm where, um, and I, I'm sure that most of us have uh, seen this imbalance as well, where, um, so I'm in, I'm in a new small group, uh, downtown Summit Campus, and we, we're growing, expanding, and it's coming organically, right? Uh, we're not forcing anything. Um, we're not, like, cherry-picking our recruits or anything. But we're, we're, you know, we're, we're going in and Those we're saying, like... star Christians. <laughs> but we're saying, like, all right, so whoever wants to come can come if you're really ready, available, and want to, want community, all that kind of stuff. Like, come in. Um, but we're, we're at a point now where it's me, one, two, three other dudes, and the rest are women. So it's nine other women. Um, yeah, so the the, 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 the ratio is uh, four to nine right now. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, oh, also I heard City Project this year. There's like 50 That's new. Uh, yeah, it's like. Bad. Like, Ooh. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> there's like 50 new UNC girls that are on City Project. And there's like 16 guys or something like that. Wow. And, you know. Without without a without uh, shaming too much without shaming too much sun shaming I should say um, there there seems to be an issue of men coming to church and so I want to present the question to you guys um, why do you think well what one one how would you define manhood I'll, I'll start there how would you define manhood 
Um, I would define manhood in the Christian sense. Bear with me. As Boom. yeah, <laughs> give us the worldly sense, bro. Um, I would define manhood in the Christian sense as, um, you know, males living out God's design for males. I think that's as leaders. I think that's whether they're leading in their community um, or in their family. Um, now, okay, let me just step back for a second and say, if I were to define manhood as it's been in my life, I would say it's passive and uh, often like untrustworthy um, hmm. and often like a bit intimidating. Hmm. Um, so it's a tough thing. Yeah. There's like uh, this side of the coin that I know is supposed to be admirable. And mm-hmm. I'm grateful that people like my grandfather, um, my old Papa Smokey, he identif- he, he uh, exemplifies that kind of admirable and uh, that manhood that I think has integrity. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've even had a lot of beloved people in my life, men, role models, etc. Like, you know, I mean, fall uh, in some pretty pretty awful ways yeah some pretty some ways that really lacked integrity yeah and david you, you'd say you'd agree with that yeah <clears throat> i guess just in general uh i'm probably still figuring out what it looks like like where i grew up like what manhood looks like i don't think fits a biblical perspective and mm-hmm. i think that that is like one of the failures of like cultural christianity in rural areas especially mm-hmm. is that biblical like manhood is or just being a man is tied towards the bible just because of cultural christianity Mm. but like the manhood that is being promoted isn't is almost never found biblically Mm. um in a Mm. way that is like praised uh and i would say that's like you know you don't show weakness um you're kind of like standoffish towards other people Mm. um you like you have close friends sure whatever mm-hmm. um but like it, it's important that not everyone knows like everything that's going on in your life yeah there, there there's should be a barrier mm-hmm. like there, there's certain burdens like that you have to take on and like you like those are like non-negotiable like if you're a man like you have to be able to support your family and if you can't you're a complete failure hmm. yeah and i've seen that like bury people literally yeah, um, and so I think like, and I don't think that's necessarily against like what the Bible says. And the Bible does say like you're supposed to provide for your family, but I think that the way we have like perverted it has made it a really like sad and like thing, uh, like uh, just not a good thing. Like yeah, it is it is toxic, and I don't like that word necessarily like toxic masculinity because I think it's just thrown at like everything that moves yeah um but i do think like i've seen places in that um i would say like, wait, wait let me let me slow down for a yeah. second so what what would you what would you affirm and this question for both of y'all what would you affirm and what would you deny when it comes to the world's sense of toxic masculinity like what do you think the world gets right when it says like oh toxic masculinity like this is an issue and i see this in this trend in all of our guys and uh, what would you disagree with? Um, I think, I think in my eyes, 
I think that the world has I properly identified and properly called out where there needs to be um, abuses of um, I should say strong arming. So places where um, places where guys use their their influence in the world or use their the power that they've been given and trusted or taken um, and they've, they've used it to impart their will over people. Um, I mean, we can see this in, in examples of, you know, all the celebrities or politicians or whoever, um, where people are getting called out for years of abuses and all these different things. Um, and so, yeah, what, what else would y'all see? Yeah, just along those lines, I think growing up um, in and around a lot of, like, Latino culture, mm-hmm. there's this sense of, like, machismo, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, we have this idea in, in English of a, of a macho man, even, you know, kind of comes from that. It's a, a man's man. He's gentlemanly towards women, and he's a rival towards other men, and that, I think, is immensely toxic, but toxic because it sets men up as like idealized in different ways yeah um and also like threats to other men so it's like Hmm. if i live in machismo like i have to be like there there are parts of it like great right like being chivalrous in a sense is like okay be kind towards women yeah of course especially because like i think as men we have to check ourselves and recognize like women have it harder in this you know patriarchal world Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways um but then also like you know it can it can lead to okay i had then have a i have power over that woman Mm -hmm. or like she's indebted to me in some way Mm -hmm. and you can see that as like oh now i'm like the prince charming that she owes her love to there's this Mm -hmm. narcissistic sense of now i'm the one who deserves like this woman's love or like sex or Mm -hmm. like faithfulness or yeah. Yeah. Um, and then with the comp like, uh, competition towards other men, it's like, okay, now I can't have like healthy same sex relationships. Yeah. Like I can't have healthy male friendships. I can't have like a male best friend. Mm -hmm. It's like the only people who are really close to me are like people that I'm trying to sleep with. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. You know, or, um, you know, if I have a friend that's really... That's, like, an extreme example, right? Yeah. Um, or, like, I'm close to my f- guy friends, but at the same time, it's, like, if they if they crossed me, like, we'd be done because I have to protect, like, a certain sense of honor. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's <clears throat> certainly, like, an American culture, but I think it's a lot stronger in um, certain, like, subcultures. Mm-hmm. And I think in the Christian church... A lot of it is weird because parts that kind of run parallel with that can be praised. Okay. I think especially in like, okay, in like rural white America, like chivalry is like, your mom is like, you better, my mom was like, you better open the door for her. You better walk between her and and traffic. Mm -hmm. You better like hold the door for her. And it's like, you better pay for it every day. You better pay for every meal. (laughs) And it's like, bro, that's even led to like, conflict like with the whole paying for the date thing before yeah. for me in relationships it's like and I you know I, you know, there's a sense we have to check that pride and say like okay like my identity is not in how much of a chivalrous man I am mm-hmm. my identity is how much of a 
Well, it's not okay. It's not even how much of a respectful man I am. It's in like my my identity in Christ, but like living out that identity, I think it's important to be a respectful man, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm trying to check my verbiage, but at the same time, it's like yeah, it's kind of easy to get caught up in that chivalrous attitude and almost feel like whether you mean to or not, like start creating like social debts towards women mm-hmm. <clears throat> or like isolate yourself from other men. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think another one thing that both of y'all touched on definitely is that isolation, um, that the self-sufficiency, self-reliance that society tells you, like, I think, um, it is almost frowned upon to pass a certain age or pass a certain tax bracket to live with another person. Um, if it's not like a significant other. And so it's almost, I've seen in cases where it's almost as if the, the guy who is, um, the guy who is, you know, 28, um, is condemned or, or, you know, made fun of more than the, the guy who's living with his girlfriend or whatever. Um, and, and then that like, like I a mean, single guy who's 28. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rather than like, you know, he's, he's living in the house of like, you know, three, four of the guys and that's like, Oh dude, like where's your, where's your wife or whatever. But you know, on the flip side, the, the guy who's, um, who's not really, you know, not really living right, doing mm-hmm. a whole bunch of crazy stuff or whatever, but he's with his girlfriend, like that never gets called out. Um, and so I think that, you know, and of course, like, you know, God's grace and everything, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like the contrast is interesting to me, um, where we've kind of created a culture, um, in which men have to be, um, you know, they have, they have to be self-sufficient, you know, they almost have to be, um, (laughs) word the Mormons, like they have to, they have to be gods on their own planet. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> they, have be, they have to be self-sufficient, but they have to have someone who relies on them to like. True. That's the whole thing about like mm. the 28 year old who's single, like yeah. Especially like if I would go back home and I was older, mm. like 28 to like 35, and was single, and even if I was da- if I wasn't dating like a lot, mm-hmm. I'd be weird. Like, what what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, why aren't you married? Why yeah. Don't you have kids. Why don't you have all these things and stuff? Yeah. So like self-sufficiency is important, but that self-sufficiency has to benefit others, I guess. Hmm. It's a way a lot of people, I think, look at, like, manhood specifically. Yeah. Why do, you, why do you think that it, like, do you think that's a good thing? Do you think that's a bad thing? I think in isolation, the idea itself is, is fine. I think in practice, it often it leads to people feeling pressured to get into relationships they have no business or no maturity being involved in. Yeah. And also, I think it leads to... Like, I do think it is a. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to provide for people. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a perfectly like normal um, thing. But I think the way that we have like cast as guys as the only people, or as the main people who have to do that job, that it can often like um, it kind of typecast people into a certain like hole. Yeah. Even if they're not necessarily comfortable doing that role. Hmm. True. So the, it's almost like you have to, like there's there's like, no I room. Okay. Have, like work themselves almost to death, and they got wives sitting at home. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's not that wives can't work. It's but it's like as a man, 
they're supposed to work a dead end job to death. Yeah. Because that's their job. That that is their ultimate purpose. Is kind of I think that's where it becomes mm-hmm. the problem. If self sufficiency and providing for others is what becomes your ultimate purpose week in and week out, that's all you ever think about. Is I have to go to work today, even though I can barely stand up because of this because I need to provide for people mm-hmm. then it becomes an idol in itself mm. and not a good one either yeah mm. I idols are good I guess sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I think that it's almost it's it's weird because it's almost like society on one side ex- fully expects a guy to be immature and it and it relies or it uh it makes up for those gaps where it is. So, like, if a guy is, like, run around doing whatever or spend a bunch of money or, you know, living his life, like, trying to, like, buy up cars or enjoy ride and do all these crazy stuff, like, it's that's perfectly okay. And we make excuses for that and saying, like, oh, like, he'll grow up later. He just needs some responsibilities or whatever. He's a go-getter. Yeah, he's, he's a go-getter. He's adventurous. That yeah. kind of thing. But on the other side, it's almost like, a, it's almost like a guy isn't allowed to be immature or he has to mature quickly to a certain point um, where I mean like I don't know it's 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 it's, it's very it's very interesting to me um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like a specific example but I'll probably just have to be abstract so like the guy who um, is just trying to find his way in the world or whatever or like um in between careers, if you're not working, <laughs> then it's a bad thing. Or the guy who gets laid off and has to rely on unemployment or whatever, yeah. right? That's that's frowned upon. Like asking for help um, is is frowned upon. Living with somebody else like past a certain age is frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Um, in college and not having a set job mm-hmm. is like you can be immature all you want in college. You can be a frat kid. You can go out and party every weekend, but when you walk out that door with that diploma you better have a plan and you better mm-hmm. have some money coming in yep. that's yeah. an immediate expectation I yeah say. that's yeah. interesting hmm so let's like backtracking a little bit what do you think that society has gotten wrong about toxic masculinity like what do you think that where do you think they've gone too far with like calling things out and um where have they overcorrected or like ta- whether it's tabloids or people around you or like whatever um I mean, I think that on a tabloid level, a lot of what is being called out by toxic masculinity, toxic masculinity is, like, allegations of, like, sexual abuse and, mm. like, stuff like that, where it's, like, a man has basically had power just mm-hmm. for being a man, mm-hmm. and he's abused it. Okay, so it's, like, set that aside. Yes. I think that, just set that aside for a second, I think that there's not only a problem with, like, masculinity in our culture but also like femininity hmm. and now I can't like really speak to that from like I'm not a woman I mean yeah. obviously <laughs> but it's like I can't imagine that there's just 50% of our culture that's just what's the problem yeah you know I, I don't I don't think that it's only men who are the problem now I think that with the situations where it's like men in power who are abusing women or any like subordinates like mm-hmm. that is a problem toxic ma- toxic masculinity yeah but in a smaller scale like in like a church group like mm-hmm. summit 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 college whatever 
um, you know, me being a recent college grad, my most recent experiences are in like Summit College, a college ministry. It's mostly girls. A lot of times from the pulpit you'll hear like, oh, this or that problem with men. The men aren't being like um, active. They're mm. not being proactive. They're not being like um, strong-willed in different ways. And it's like there are also ways that like women aren't being that way. Hmm. And I think that like that's not just something that you see in our church. I think eventually at first I was like, oh, this is like the church is talking about this. Like men got it all wrong and no one say anything about like problems women have. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me seemed like obvious because I heard my female friends like complaining about similar things yeah. from other girls that that was happening to them. Um, and I eventually realized like wow like even for my classmates you're hearing this kind of stuff. Yeah, you know it's like girls just outright slandering one another mm. or like having these like strange hierarchies amongst like people in a house and it's like mm-hmm. whoa like I didn't know. It's like a different culture somehow. It's like yeah, girl on girl conflict is is mysterious and sure terrifying. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so. There's a, there's a toxic femininity, right? And mm-hmm. and I don't say like, well, if there's toxic masculinity, there's toxic femininity. It's like no, like I think that because we live in a patriarchal society, mm-hmm. men are offered more power, and with that increased power, they're going to do more damage. Yes. So men are definitely a big problem mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i think that there is a level at least in certain circles where it's like oh there's a majority female culture and the mm-hmm. subculture um like church culture mm-hmm. so we can have like um you know problems that even root in a skewed sense of femininity mm-hmm. kind of like diverging from your what does the world have wrong yeah. and kind of tracking in some of the what does the church have possibly wrong but um. no I mean I think the I think in many you know in a lot of ways we already see how the world and the church culture have merged and so I think it's, yeah. I think at this point it's fair game to address both mm-hmm. um, and to call out the sin in both because you know sin permeates everywhere mm-hmm. you know whether it's in church or out of church and so I think that um, I think it's perfectly appropriate but um, I think that um, I don't know. I think that it's hard because I feel like the the modern feminine or uh, what is that feminism movement mm. <laughs> is has been birthed out of the original uncalled out, unchecked toxic masculinity, and it's almost like a like a backlash of like we have all this history, and you guys are all held accountable for that and, and called to correct. Um, the mistakes that were happening um, but we weren't exactly you know we're not even fully developed yet as men <laughs> quite frankly like we don't we don't have the societally speaking we don't have the checklist all all down um, and I think and I don't think anybody's ever like fully developed fully perfect of course um, but I, I think that it, it's hard for us to know that especially like when we probably in our lives have seen more bad examples than good examples. Right. Um, and so I think that, I think that it's hard to, um, it's hard to correct something that you don't know that, that originated and like where it came from. And if you even had a part in it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the roots of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. 
Yeah, I think um, why I one one point that I want to definitely hit is like um, that one thing I've noticed is that the way that we educate in society, like originally, like elementary school, pre-K or whatever, it was usually catered to women, education wise. Um, I think like being able like not not necessarily. I think that the fact that there are more lectures than labs definitely speaks to that because typically guys learn more like through example and 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 uh, getting like hands dirt like all these different kinds of physical touch things. Um, typically, when maturing, we need more of that in order to learn. Um, typically, it's it's easier for us to retain information that way, um, and we don't necessarily calm down until later on. Um, during our growth process anyway. Um, and so I, that's one thing I've noticed that has started in the education system. And I feel like in a lot of ways that's carried over to the way that we operate in churches as well. Um, I feel like I feel like in, in a lot of ways we need more examples. We need more casual time walking around like person to person discipleship. Um, that's a little like a little more casual rather than the you know sitting down and, and learning kind of like environment mm. um and so I, I think like can can either of you guys speak to that like do you feel like it's been um do you feel like it's hard to uh or sorry i should ask this this way do you feel like the church has properly when trying to educate you on things or show you how to be like show you an example or whatever do you feel like it's taken the proper avenues to show you that or do you feel like it could it could do better in some ways? As far as like pertaining to manhood and, and how to be Christ like, I should say. I mean, I think that there are like plenty of problems with how stuff is taught in the church that aren't like theological, have completely did everything to do with like ways things are taught. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's really just me thinking from a oh, I wish that there was more continuity and like um, you know, since you're talking about like how is curriculum in a sense like good or bad for discipleship, yeah, or just church um, you know, knowledge of the Bible and stuff, I think that um, there are definitely ways that, like, if you have a when I think of discipleship material, I think of like a packet that walks you through like a Bible study or something. Mm-hmm. It's like there are ways that Bible study is going to be better for a woman or better for a man or better for someone of majority culture or minority culture Mm -hmm. or whatever. And that could be wholly dependent on that person's background who wrote it. Yeah. Um, Their theological background. I really mean like their church background Mm -hmm. more accurately. uh, What they're reading most recently. Mm -hmm. Like if someone is been reading more stuff that is going to help them communicate to a certain um, member of a subculture like then it's going to turn out better for that person yeah. you know yeah. of that subculture uh, they're going to learn from it easier in theory right mm-hmm. um, I would say one thing for sure okay first off I've never been in a girls like discipleship group mm-hmm. in Summit um, but I've seen them I've seen them like I've been in the the vicinity I've been around like I've been (laughs) like on one side of the you know battle house or whatever and like Mm -hmm. seen and they're all like there with their bible opens and their highlighter their bibles open their highlighters 
like they're all looking at their D group leader and it's like they're just engaged yeah. and focused. Yeah. It's like a Bible study. Like we're coming to study. Yeah. All right. And it's like, man, I don't know if maybe I just can't see it. I'm like blind to it. But yeah. like when I get my guys together for a D group or whatever, hmm. man, one dude is like twiddling his thumbs. The other dude is like friggin' on his phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like they actually seem like half of them are like checked out or, you know, the girls seem like not in their head. Yeah. Yeah. And the guys are just like, look like depressed. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro. Well, they're clearly not into the Bible study. It's yeah. like getting down with the highlighters and writing and notes. And mm-hmm. and it's like, man, that's a bummer. Is it? Like, is there just yeah. a different way that we need to go about discipleship? Hmm. I think, I think I in my know. mind, right, when it comes to girls hanging out and guys hanging out, when guys hang out, we are doing something right we are we are we are almost and it's weird because girls are better at multitasking but somehow i feel like guys need to multitask in order to task yeah. <laughs> like when 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 guys hang out right we're hanging out over fishing we're hanging out over bowling we're hanging out over fishing, video games you trying to go fishing no i'm just saying in general that's the first thing that comes to your mind brother yes yes okay. in the white evangelical south a lot of guys go fishing to do the men's discipleship i don't want to hear it if you want to go fishing man you just Hit us up. Hey, no. Guys go camping, right? They you go, go hunting. Camping? You want to go hunting? Listen. <laughs> I'm trying to pre- I'm trying to contextualize my ideas to my uh, environment. Regardless. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm just uh-huh. saying we do things like we play basketball. Now now what? Now what? All right. What? <laughs> Am I supposed to react differently to that? Whatever. <laughs> no, but no, I guys, like, guys do yeah. guys have hobbies. I don't know. Uh, that's a whole other conversation. Do girls have hobbies? Whatever. Um, guys have hobbies, and <laughs> and we, I feel like we're more engaged when we are half engaged with the hobby, mm. and half engaged with the conversation. And it's almost like the the hobby segues directly to the conversation, and thus makes the conversation more fruitful. Hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes you just have to like trick a guy to like talk with you. It's yeah. like. Because part of it is, like, a guy might have that underlying fear of, like, oh, if we meet over coffee and talk, it's, like, coffee's not really a hobby. You're not Mm going to lose any attention to drinking your friggin' coffee. Like, you're just going to drink it, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it might seem like a date, and some guy might be, like, oh, this is, like, kind of weird. And they're kind of offset by it. And, like, I mean, I love getting coffee with friends. Like, I don't think it's weird at all, but... um, you know, a guy's like, oh, fishing, like, that's manly, or, like, playing this sport, like, basketball or soccer, it's like, that's mm-hmm. manly, or, mm-hmm. like, you know, I meet up with Blair, one of the, um, one of the elders at, um, Chapel. at Chapel Hill, and we'll, like, chop firewood and do, like, landscaping in his yeah. lawn, and it's like, or build a treehouse, and it's like, that is pretty much as stereotypically manly as you can mm-hmm. get, like, construction and work. Yeah. Literally, he's getting free labor out of me. Yeah. Apparently that's very manly, free labor. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that, like, half the time it'll wind up, like, we're, you know, chopping wood or stacking it. Yeah. And then we just stop. Yeah. And we just start talking. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, for one thing, Blair doesn't have to trick me into talking to him because I've also been there before and he's just whipped up some breakfast and we've talked. But yeah. sometimes... 
if he ever listens to this, Blair knows I love him. <laughs> but sometimes I feel I have to trick him a bit into talking. Like, he needs a little bit of the the hobby thing to kind of get him. That, all yeah. I have to say, Blair's great at conversation and all, but yeah. it does kind of help him get some of those, like, conversational juices flowing. And he yeah. gets his tongue loose and he's, like, start to talk a bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of guys, it's, like, hard to... It, it's a bit of a... Uh, amongst a lot of men, like... It's like an effeminate thing. Mm. If I'm just ready to start talking and be open and, and emotions, yeah, <laughs> it's whoa, really like being emotional is effeminate. Mm. Um, yeah, I want to. I want I'm gonna get back to that. Yeah, but I feel like, um, I guess one thing that I've noticed as well is actually let's just hit it now. Let's hit it now. One thing, another thing I disagree with: worldly toxic masculinity its lens is that in order to become a better man you have to become more of a woman so I'm thinking GQ magazine I'm thinking like all those stuff like putting guys in dresses which no not to the guys like you can rock a skirt go ahead rock a skirt with the legs I'm not I'm not gonna hold you I'm just saying that (laughs) somehow somehow in our minds right we have we have uh, created the are the society's protagonist to be a woman because society's antagonist is men. And so in order to become more like a better Zuko, you have to become a better... You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying like like there's, there's certain elements of it where it's like, okay, a man has to lose his masculinity because I don't think we know what real masculinity is as far as like... I don't, I don't think we as a society know what a healthy masculinity looks like. I think... David can talk about this mm. because I've heard him talk about it before. It's just like, you know, I think that oftentimes it's almost put into culture as if like the enemy to men or like, you know, manhood is like womanhood somehow. It's mm. like, oh, and I think I've even sensed in me something I have to check a lot. It's like a paranoia about women. It's like, what are they saying about me? Or like, what are they thinking of me? And I want them to think the best, but you know, it's a tough thing to wrestle with. But then another threat to manhood or like heterosexual manhood is like homosexual manhood Mm. or like being gay. Mm. And often like, you know, David was talking about like, Oh, someone in your family is like, Oh, you're not, you don't have a, a girlfriend and you, you're like this age. Are you gay? Like, Mm -hmm. and it's like, people outright think you're just gay and mm-hmm. it's like what that's what you jump to like true yeah I met an amazing woman who stole my heart now i'm gay it's like, yeah in order to validate your sexuality you have yeah. to be sexually immoral in another way yeah hmm. i guess yeah and i think i mean some of that some of this has to come down to the fact that society and just history has attributed certain like in terms of when we're talking about like to become less toxically mm-hmm. masculine you have to become more like a woman but some of that I think could be that we've just attributed certain characteristics to women hmm. and those are not characteristics that God attributes just to women he attributes yeah. them to everyone hmm. talking about things like gentleness mm-hmm. um, yeah. or tenderness t- tenderness <laughs> yeah sure, sure. that's um, <laughs> physical touch yes um like physical touch is not inherently feminine but i know some dudes who treat it like that no that's like, true don't, don't get close to me true um i'm, I'm guilty i know some girls who do that too but that 
you know, that's fine. But I'm definitely like, I'm definitely guilty of a dude saying, Love you, bro, and I'll say, No homo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I see I, I understand what you're saying when, yeah. you, when you say things like that. And I think um I I I definitely feel like that that's one way the world looks at it. Or like things that it can be things as simple as saying like ma'am to people mm. people get upset yeah and I think that's like the weirdest thing ever because that's the way I grew up like my mom would have smacked me upside the head mm-hmm. if I didn't say ma'am to my grandma oh yeah in fact I'm pretty sure she did a couple times um <laughs> yes what toxic feminine yes ma'am I'm just <laughs> Okay, that is toxic femininity. That's, hitting hitting guys when you're upset with them is toxic femininity, and I'll call that out and I'll die on that hill because that is way too consistent. Anyway, that's fine. We'll be trampled on that hill with some high heels. Hey, bro, if I get slugged in the arm one more time, bro, I don't know what's gonna happen. What'd you say? Um, but I I, I think that like. We have that part of the best way to like reclaim the idea of manhood and masculinity Mm -hmm. would be to reclaim the idea that there aren't certain traits that are indefinably one person Mm. um, or like one specific gender. And I do know like there is like psychology and like science in that that like yes, women are do tend to be gentler and stuff like that. And that's not what I'm saying, but the idea that like one can't exhibit those things simply mm. because they are a man. Or even things like, and speaking of, like, the way we teach people, like, guys don't talk to one another. Mm. They're always doing a hobby, right? Because yep. cause when we were growing up in school, right, when we went out to recess, what did the teachers go tell us? Go run, play, do something, get away from me. Mm. And But the girls, you know, kind of sit around and talk, right? That's fine, yeah. that's normal. Um, but if... Like, if I was a kid, when I, if I had just, like, stood around the teacher or something, she would have been like, go away. Yeah, true, like, true. please, go away. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> and I, I think that goes back to, like, just the way we have taught one, the, the way we teach what it means to be a boy or hmm. what it means to be a girl. Um, and that's not to deny that each gender has inherited, does have certain traits that, uh, like, I think some I've seen people who get upset because like uh, you're trying to like take away like what makes someone unique like mm-hmm. a, or a specific gender unique in talking about like LGBT or something like that, um, mm-hmm. and that's not what I mean in this situation. Just the like we can acknowledge that people are unique and also acknowledge that that there's not a like specific. Like, no one is excluded, necessarily. Hmm. Like, yes, there are things that are generally done by certain people. Um, but part of that reason is the reason they're generally done by those people is because that's the only way those people are taught, right? Yes. Boys talk while they play basketball because they were always taught to go play basketball to let out some energy because boys have too much energy, right? Hmm. Yeah. Haven't you ever heard a teacher say that? I mean, yeah. I've so many teachers say that. Go get boys the energy much, out so you can come boys back. Boys have too much work. energy. Go get rid of your energy, right? Yeah. Like, so, that that comes back to, like, that's, like, just from the start, right? Yeah. So, I 
think that's just kind of what I would say about that. Hmm. I kind of lost my train of thought. So no, you're good. There. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting how through through time, right? I guess this kind of back to the discipleship, mentorship, or whatever. But like throughout history, um, the man stayed at home. Well, I guess I'll, I'll refer to biblical times, right? Mm-hmm. The man stayed at home until basically till his father died, then he inherited it all over. But he picked up the trade of his father, sure. right? And so, or his his uncle, whatever. Um, so you know, he's spending every day working with him in close proximity. Um, through like he, that's discipleship, mentorship, that's career training, um, that is what do you call it? You know, walking, walking by example or following example up close and everything. Um, and I think it's interesting how now in our society it's like, um, you know, even though we're supposed to cling to, um, you know, in the New Testament it says you know cling to your wife and then leave, but I feel like we. <laughs> We might have read, misread that passage because I feel like I feel like we leave before we find a wife and we isolate beforehand, almost almost as if isolation will help us find them rather than the other way around. And I mean, I'm not I'm not advocating for an arranged marriage or anything. I'm just saying <laughs> it's interesting how that that leaving home dynamic has played into what manhood looks like um, in in multiple senses. Um, but yeah, I guess another thing I wanted to hit as well, because you were you were you were going in, um, is that male to male intimacy has stopped because of I mean homophobia. Yeah. I say. Yeah. I mean for sure. I mean the perfect example of that is like the story of David and Jonathan in the Bible. Now, Tough. That Go ahead. people will like try and or I've heard assertions that all oh, that they must be. They, they were gay like mm-hmm. because they said they loved one another they kissed each other on the cheeks or whatever before mm-hmm. they left like so does that mean they were gay and it's like no well there's also the passage that said the, like, I know, there is a passage but that it, I have actually heard someone talk about that from the like the original Hebrew and that, mm-hmm. that the term they use can be used for the sexual relations but it generally isn't okay um if I remember correctly mm-hmm. but I do know what you're talking about but yeah. that story and I mean even like and we don't discuss how that I mean Jesus and the disciples they didn't have a lot of hobbies they well they fished yeah. but uh, <laughs> every <laughs> once in a while they fished but most of the time I mean they were walking and talking so, and I mean Simon was a was yeah. it the zealot or yeah. whatever yeah he Simon, killed Simon, Simon, Simon was looking to kill some folk but <laughs> other than that hunting but yeah, people yeah um but no like I definitely think just like the whole aspect of like homophobia and stuff especially mm. like growing up in a rural area like it's so so bad yeah um and it's like like I have friends that I've, I have a friend that I've known since I was five years old mm-hmm. six years old and I would say like he is my I would have always called him my best friend my closest friend but like if you ask me, like, I'm as close with him emotionally probably as I am with a dude I could meet at church next week and go to one small group with. Mm. Like, the first time I had ever heard him cry was earlier this year when he had to call and deliver some really bad news about his mom. Mm. And I just was thinking about that, like, man, we have a very close and yet very distant relationship. True. Um, because we don't talk about what bothers us. Um, we might bring it up. But, like, we quickly move past it. Mm-hmm. We make a joke, we go get dinner, we do whatever. 
Yeah. And I definitely think that, like, the fear of homophobia and the way it's preached in churches, hmm. especially, like, homophobia is, is the sin hmm. in a lot of rural areas. Uh, homosexuality is the sin. Yeah, homosexuality. Sorry, not homophobia. But homosexuality like, is decent in a lot of areas, and um, like that is that leads to people that leads to the way we interact with one another with guys and stuff. Like we have to have certain boundaries with one another, and mm. of course you do. But mm. like it, it changes the way we look at it. Hmm. I guess um, going mm. talking about like homophobia and stuff. Yeah, I mean I think. I think that it's interesting that people, I mean, again, people equate, like, you, you need to be in a relationship in order to be a whole dude, and a, mm-hmm. and a, a, to be a dude, that is whole. Like, that, that is, the relationship is required. Um, but, it, yeah, I think that it's interesting when you look at the example, like, uh, all the single people in the Bible, like Jesus, Paul, even, even, I'll say David, like, the fact that David, in the passage, it talks about how David had all these women or whatever, like concubines, all the stuff. Um, had two wives, from what I know, probably more. Um, but in all of those women, the he found more of what he needed in Jonathan. You know, because they were they were intimate, right? Right. You you can have sex without being intimate, sure. and I mean that's probably one of those Christian taglines. Um, but yeah, like you can have you can have sex all day and not be intimate. Um, but men need intimacy and you don't need to be married to do so. You don't need to be, um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's apart from, I don't know if it's apart from sexuality or if it's a redeemed sexuality. I don't know what it is, whatever. Um, I think another thing that we just have to check with that is, yeah. I mean, what, so three, three wives of David, they're talking about in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have, um, that's right. The ring. Mikael, 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 Mikael mm-hmm. who is basically just given to David and serves as like a way to help him escape. Mm-hmm. And then later he like totally breaks her heart and you like never hear from her again. Yep. And then there's Abigail who is like uber wise. Like she is just like puts David to shame yep. with her wisdom. Yep. And then you don't hear much else from her. And then so, you have Bathsheba. Bathsheba who is like temptation for mm. David and then like tragedy. For David, and hmm. I think that something you need to be very careful with when you say, "Oh, well, David found everything he needed," and Jonathan is like, "Jonathan's a man, and men are always given more screen time in the mm-hmm. Bible than women." True. Michael, Abigail, and Bathsheba are all basically foils to show like flaws in David. They're not really hmm. characters. I mean, they are in the sense that they're like people who existed and like were around David, but like. Mikael basically shows like um you know that David's loyalty is to God and not to Saul and that he'll you know he'll die for that he'll run hmm. away for that and ultimately it doesn't matter if you break someone's heart like he will fight fight for that loyalty hmm. and there's also like a flawed show of his masculinity in that I think because of what he does to Mikael mm-hmm. and then with Abigail it's like showing his um foolishness foolishness in parts I think and then with Bashiwa, I think it's also showing a different side of his foolishness. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, a really famous scene where, like, Mikhail, 
Mikael only serves as like a foil is when David is dancing in front of the ark. Right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. she's like, why are you doing that? You're mm-hmm. a fool. And I think and we it, read that in the Bible and it's like, it's almost as if it's written it. And Mikael didn't really care that much about the Lord. And yeah. it's like, bruh. Really, well, it's he like did David. Strike her Baron, didn't he? Huh? He did strike her Baron, didn't he? Because uh, he said that. It, I'm not, not sure. Clear. Okay. Uh, my point is just like, yeah. I think that there are undoubtedly ways that like David would have been intimate with Mikael, with Abigail, with Bathsheba in the same way that like Abraham was intimate with Sarah. Not just sexually, but like they were obviously pretty close. I mm-hmm. mean, like I would say no one at all was closer to Abraham than Sarah, like, other than, you know, God, who apparently has very intimate conversations with Abraham, so much that Abraham can, like, argue God out of his will. Um, (laughs) True, true. It's pretty crazy. Um, That's a maybe different topic for when you have your free will (laughs) podcast. No chance. I'm not touching that. I'm messing. Calvinist Armenian I'm messing. I'm messing. (laughs) But I think that, like, you know, it is, like, women in the Bible... Oh, Lord, that's a whole other topic because, I mean, men do rule the Bible. And I don't think that's by God's design. That's a really hard thing to say. I think that also, like, the Bible was written out of a culture that was, like, not... Like, you can't say the culture was fully sanctified. The people aren't fully sanctified. Um, Just because it's inspired doesn't mean that God, like, took the pen to paper and wrote it. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. That's a... that's You're hitting hitting more sand traps than... The yeah. masters, okay. Yeah, I am, <laughs> we need to backtrack. I'm slippery slopes the right now. Are but, be I mean, for you, you yeah. hit every single controversial topic there was in church. Yeah, you're welcome, man. That's um, what I'm here for. That is literally what I'm so, here for. Sometimes I, I think I want to. I want to end this. I usually end this with some sort of advice, action point, whatever. But I want to ask the question of. If you could change one thing, and I already have mine on my mind, so if y'all can go before me, that'd be great. Um, but if you could change one thing about church to bring more guys to church, um, or tweak one aspect or whatever, what do you think you would do? Paintball outings. <laughs> Dude, paintball, you you will get a guy to go to church if there's paintball. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying... Because we want them to come to church because of Jesus, Micah. That's what I'm saying. Like actual, not 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 like youth group. We're not talking youth group outings and events. We're talking like get them to come to like church on a Sunday morning, like all the women do. Our eighty percent women church. Well, okay. Oh, um, you know, something I kind of want to ask you at the beginning too is like, mm-hmm. you're talking about men coming to church. Yep. What is church? What is church? Because mm-hmm. at the beginning you were talking about like men coming on Sundays and men coming True. to discipleship group. True. That's not men coming to church. That's men coming on Sundays and men coming to discipleship group. Mm. So you need to also like kind of say, I mean, you know, we have this saying, it's like church isn't the building, it's the people. Yeah. You know, that's so lame. It's like church is also what the people do. You know, it's like church is a lot, man. And it's like church isn't just what's on Sunday and it's not just the discipleship group. It's mm-hmm. also the service you offer in your community, mm-hmm. like towards your community. Yeah. It's also the way you run your business. It's the way mm-hmm. you, you are in the marketplace. It's the way that you are in the schools and your family. How I'm do you saying, I'm saying post, how do we bring yeah. in people into, I'll, I'll use the word kingdom then. Sure. Because I feel okay. like, you know, it, whatever, 
you know, we can avoid this pitfall of women tending to coagulate regardless of actual faith or whatever. We can, we can avoid that. Um, but, you know, I think that it, it is true that men um, tend to shy away from the, the church outings or religious outings a lot of times. Um, a lot of times there are, there are more important things to do. Um, whether that is because of culture telling you like, oh, you need to go out and get a job and that's needs to be your number one priority. And if not, you're not a man. And so the man's like, oh, I need to, you know, do school or go to work rather than hanging out as they see it. All right. Well, now I'll answer your question. Yes. You've really said it well now. Yes. I've extrapolated my statements. (laughs) I think that like to convince men that they need to live life for the Lord, that they need to be part of the, you know ushering in Jesus's kingdom uh, you know you have to first I think show them they can't do it alone mm. and sometimes you can't do that you just have to let a man fail and mm. that that really sucks yeah true but yeah I think men need to realize they can't do it alone um, men need to realize they can't that that relying on women isn't necessarily answer it's not like relying on women's a bad thing but like mm-hmm. just turning towards like relationships is not the answer mm-hmm. you know building a strong community uh, I think mixed gender but that goes especially deep with, with other men by especially deep I think that would happen I mean like by what would happen in a discipleship group mm-hmm. um, and then from there like you hope that you know action points stuff like that would kind of trickle into okay this is changing how you lead your family yeah. This is changing how you lead the people in your house that you live with if you're a single guy. Mm-hmm. This is changing how you act in the marketplace, how you lead people who are under you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. so so preach a holistic um, perspective of the kingdom that's not just a Sunday morning. That is a that's a holistic life change, um, a holistic life course. Oh my gosh, that's everybody. That's yeah. good for no. everybody, not just men. Right? No, you're right. Yeah, I mean, I think because of, like, what we talked about, like, that men are tend to be, like, more individualistic. Yeah. We need, I mean, I think it requires more one-on-one relationships with men. Hmm. Um, Like, truly one-on-one, not, or not necessarily just one-on-one, but small groups. Mm -hmm. Two to three dudes. and, um, And that requires, like building a relationship with those people outside of any sanctioned church event. Mm -hmm. And it requires them seeing you live out a specific sort of life that you have told them about Hmm. within the context of everyday life. I think, like, the perfect example of this is my sophomore year, Blair, who we talked about a little bit, um, we were getting lunch, me, him, uh, Jackson, and Malik. Mm-hmm. And we were just hanging out, you know, we're just jiving, we're talking, making all sorts of jokes. And Blair, you know, we were talk, started talking about girls or something, and Blair makes a joke. And, you know, to me, it was nothing, because I've heard that joke, I've heard jokes like that thousands of times, mm-hmm. and didn't even think nothing about it. And, but it was definitely kind of like pushing, like, things you should, like, it was not a very wholesome joke, let me put it like that. Mm. Uh, I don't even remember what was said, to be honest. But I remember I got a text about, two hours later basically Blair just like dude I really just want to apologize for what I said like I like let my like having fun with you guys get the best of me and slip back into old habits mm-hmm. and I remember just sitting there thinking like this dude 
I mean, he's a pastor. He, like, he mentors me and stuff, and he felt the need to send me this and apologize to me. Mm. And, like, that that definitely had an impact on me because I was like, this dude's relationship, like, he didn't have to send that to me. Like, I would have mm-hmm. passed on my day, and it would not have made me think worse of Blair. Yeah. But in admitting his wrong and, like, being honest and living that out, like, that's a way of living out, like, what we're taught in church. Like, yeah. Accountability and honesty to people who aren't, like, leaders being accountable to their students, like, being hmm. humble before them. That taught me about, like, man, that you have to truly live this with people. Hmm. And that means when you slip up in, like, general things, like, you be honest about it. Yeah. And so I think that that is, like, one way is, like, you're never going to get a bunch of guys to church by uh, inviting them all to a football game and then saying, hey, guys, we have church tomorrow in the morning. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're all going to go, okay, cool. Every once in a while, it'll work, right? Mm -hmm. You know, every once in a while, you'll find a suite, like, you know, in Fresh 10 and they'll all show up right yeah. oh that's beautiful right okay come on <laughs> like I and, I'm, and I say that because like I, I know a thing that's happened before but I'm yeah. just saying it is far less likely in this wide net approach yeah it doesn't work as well with guys it mm. just simply doesn't we need to be better about being more singular and deeper with people mm. um, and that means that yeah it's going to be we're not always going to catch everybody in the net um, which is why we just need more people out there doing it hmm that's good. I think, yeah, what you said was really good. The wide net approach, not necessarily being effective or e- efficient, maybe. Um, I think my biggest thing would be preaching from a sense of family um, in the kingdom. A sense of, like, we're, we're, we're not bringing you in to have this solo relationship with God. Uh-huh. Um, because I think that I think that one of the pitfalls, like, I think... One, I think guys know that isolation is bad. They just don't know another way to live. They haven't been shown that. Um, And so I think that preaching isolation in order to save people into more isolation is probably not what guys are looking for. Yeah. You know, because like when we when we say that, it's like, oh yeah, like you know, once you and the Lord get together and Mm -hmm. da 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 da, like. Like that's where that's where the only the, the Lord can do this. Yes, which gives the idea that once it becomes like only I can now with the Lord. Do exactly, this. it's it's purely vertical. It's nothing horizontal. Yeah, and guys are just like, oh no, like I I can do that on my own. You know what I'm saying? Like I can I can have if if I don't need you guys for this, then <clears throat> why am I here? <laughs> I mean, real talk. And so I think that. Giving giving guys a glimpse of we're not just calling you like just personal relationship with 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 Christ we're we're calling you um, or we're bringing you into this fully developed family and kingdom of people that you can live together do life with run with um, run run the race with like fight temptation with um, learn like like there are people in the kingdom that are going to. Um, uh, <laughs> That are going to override the bad examples that you've been shown in your earlier life. Um, They're going to talk you through things that, you know, typically you only get to in therapy. (laughs) We're being honest. Like, there's certain conversations where it's like, it's therapeutic for guys because we don't get to talk about emotions. But once we get to that point with people, 
then they're more willing to come. And I also think that, this is also a side note, and I've had this conversation before, but I think that when you preach people into family and not preach people into isolation Mm -hmm. um, and then therefore marriage after that, then I think it creates a lane for any type of person as well. And so the person that has um, struggles with same-sex attraction, um, they're, they're not looking at it as if, um, oh, it's just going to be me and God forever. And because I can't get married, I will never have a life partner or whatever. Yeah. Sure. Because that's not the ultimate goal. I think right. that I think that it will avoid a lot of pitfalls when it comes to that conversation. Because we're not just calling people to you know heterosexuality. We're calling you to a kingdom and a family yeah. where you're loved regardless. Um, and I, I don't mean that in the rainbow sense. I mean that in lights. <laughs> I mean, real talk. I think that... Um, no, I think that like when people feel like they have a place no matter what their what phase of their sanctification or process that they're in, um, I think that will have a lot more people willing to, to run, you know, run the race and even run toward the church because they're like, Oh man, like this is the family, this is that uh, that group I've been looking for anyway. You know. But that that's just that's just me. I think preaching preaching family and not isolation would be really helpful. Um, That's really good. Yeah. But yeah, bro. I think uh, all that to be said, I need more guys to come to church because it's getting a little, it's getting a little estrogen uh, heavy in the. (laughs) (laughs) Look, bro. Small group is stressful sometimes, and sometimes I just, you know, I just want to play in the mud or something. I don't. What do guys do? I, sometimes I just want to play fish, 2K. Apparently. Play 2K and Smash Bros. You apparently, know what I'm saying? Pause. Fish, camp, and hunt. <laughs> yeah. Where you at? Where you at? <laughs> alright, alright. I know what you're going to say. Listen, I'm working with what I have here. We got one mic. <laughs> I know David's voice was a little quiet. Um, but I tried to do my best so that you could hear him. Um, and all three of us as well. Um, even though we were talking about toxic masculinity, not all three of us wanted to be huddled together two inches away from one mic. I hope you understand that. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, we covered a lot of bases in that conversation. And uh, I want you to notice how there was no real clear cut definition of what manhood looks like, what biblical manhood looks like. Um, I started with that question because I wanted to shed light on how ambiguous it is and I, I think that's a I think that's a good thing um, I think that if there was one specific standard that we could see that um, God laid out for what manhood looked like then in our brokenness um, a lot of people would get left out of that conversation um, and so I, I, I want to but one thing that I've been noticing in the word lately is that there's there's wisdom in the ambiguity um, in the verses where church isn't exactly lined up as to what exactly it should look like. Um, we have breathing room and we have freedom in that. Um, same thing with manhood. Um, and so, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. I'm going to try to put some more content out um, as fast as I can, but keep it a band. I hate editing. <laughs> anyway, y'all have a great day.